Are you concerned that your accent in English is holding you back professionally, perhaps hurting you in interviews, and even preventing your acceptance to professional schools of your dreams? We're joined today by an accent reduction expert, and she's going to tell you ways to reduce your accent and stop it from getting in your way. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Before we dive into today's interview, I want to mention a free resource at Accepted that can benefit you if you're applying to graduate school. The challenge at the heart of admissions is showing that you both fit in at your target schools and stand out in the applicant pool. Accepted's free download, Fitting In and Standing Out, The Paradox at the Heart of Admissions, will show you how to do both. Master this paradox and you're well on your way to acceptance. You can download your free guide at accepted.com F-I-S-O which stands for fitting in, standing out. Again, it's accepted.com slash F-I-S-O for fitting in, standing out. It gives me great pleasure to have on Admission Straight Talk for the first time, Esther Brule, a speech pathologist who specializes in accent reduction for non-native English speakers. Esther is also the founder of Speak More Clearly, both the site and the YouTube channel. And I think she's the first guest we have had from down under, also known as Australia. Esther, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. And it's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad you could <laughs> join us. Now, how did you get into the whole accent reduction field? I oh. had, my, my father had an accent you could slice with a knife. Oh, right. Okay. Hungarian. Um, Hungarian. Okay. Hungarian, yes. yes. Those ones you slice with a knife. Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I'm a speech and language pathologist. I work with children who have speech and language problems, but I also work with adults who feel they can't be clear. And another speech pathologist and I um, started doing groups for people, like face-to-face in our clinic, a long time ago, um, because in Australia, like in America, there are lots and lots of people who have second languages. They've come from other places. Um, and in fact, in Australia, we have over 400, I'm sure it's the same in America, over 400 other languages that other people right. speak. Yeah, it's it's fantastic, yeah. And so we started these for people who were professionals at working either on the phone or all sorts of other professions, you know, lawyers, whatever, and they were feeling not confident and not good about the fact that they couldn't be understood. People had to keep asking them to repeat themselves, et cetera, which is very frustrating, actually. Um, And so we started those at a very small level and then more and more people were sort of coming along. And so um, and she pulled out, she went to do something else and I just continued on. And um, the more people we had, then we realised we had to make some courses. We originally just had audio courses, but now we have video and audio, the whole shebang online. Um, and that's how I started. And, and I got more and more interested in it as I as I went along. So, yeah, 
I really enjoy right. it. So yeah. I assume at this point you're, you're mostly working with adults, not not no longer with children, right? Oh no, I, I still do have a children caseload. Really? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. I have both, but I do have a lot of adults and a lot of, you know, we do podcasts, videos, all sorts of things. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. What causes accents? Ah, uh, you know, when I thought, I think this is a great question. It's a really great question. So I mean, we are, you and I are both speaking English, but we definitely speak have an accent. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Actually, I think I think just you have the accent, but um... yeah, yeah, of course. I think I have the <laughs> accent. <laughs> um, I love it that yeah, we we all have different English accents as well. Yeah. Right. right. Um, what causes an accent, even our native accent, is as when we're very, very young and we start to learn language, we actually hear all the sounds that there are to make. And when we babble, we babble all the sounds, all different sounds, even the and the and the whatever that are not in our native languages that we usually, that we finally get. And slowly, slowly over time, as we're learning our native language or languages, we diminish our auditory acuity for the set, all those other sounds and only focus on the sounds that are in our native language or languages. And at the same time, what we're doing is learning to move our mouth in a certain way, organise our articulators in a certain way to only use those sounds as well. Because before when we're babbling, we're saying all sorts of odd sounds that are not in our language. And then slowly, slowly that takes over and we no longer use all those other sounds and therefore we have an American accent in English or an Australian accent in English or whatever language we're speaking. That is partly to do with our neurological centres, our language listening areas. So the language listening areas are very open at that point in time when we're one, two years old. As we get older, those centres are no longer necessarily needed as much and we're developing other neurological connections and pathways and so the focus goes over to walking or reading or whatever it is. In most people, those centres aren't, they sort of, they're there because we have to use our language but they're not continuing to develop per se. And so the language listening areas just, they don't close but they're not, making new connections as well so we are therefore have our original accents when we go to learn a new language with a new accent then we have to rework those centers and some people's language listening abilities and those centers are poor in the first place Mm. those connections are poor so uh and I'll talk about that a bit later but um and therefore, that's how we get our accents. But also in the new languages, let's say I'm going to learn a new language, there will be sounds and I will have to move my mouth differently to what my automatic movement is. And there will be sounds that I'm not used to that I have to learn. So if I don't do that, then I grab a sound from my original language that is close to that. And that's how I get an accent in the new language. So, for yeah. example, when in many languages, the W, the W sound in yes. English is very difficult to say. Yes. And I think frequently V yes. is, is substituted or sometimes an R. But yes, exactly. So, ven instead of when or vi instead of why. Right. Right. Yeah, because they're close, but it's not exact. 
Yeah. Right. I mentioned my, my father's accent. I was, I worked for him when I was right out of college. And one day I happened to be sitting in his office and he called a manager in and he had an envelope and he said to the manager, please give this to Mr. Wasserman. And the manager said, okay, when Mr. Wasserman gets here, I'll give it to him. And my father said, and I had to, I couldn't laugh. And my father said to me, said, no, not Mr. Wasserman, Mr. Wasserman, W. <laughs> Yes. And I'm sorry, VA, because the man really, really was with a V. V, oh. But, but the, the manager automatically corrected because of my father's accent. Yes. Yeah, so, but what you're saying, so I'm just, as as you're telling, yes. giving the background, I'm, I'm yes. thinking back to that story. Yes. Which was, again, I was, I was right out of college then. Yes, now, definitely. some people from the same countries seem to have understandable accents, you know, they, they might all come from Russia, they might all come from Germany, or they might all come from wherever. Yeah. Um, and some have accents that are very difficult to understand, or India for that matter, even yeah. if they're fairly fluent in the language. Yeah. Why, why is that? Does that still have to do with that kind of neurological training? It does. Adaptability? That, yeah, the, the neurological adaptability and the language listening ability. You know, there are some people who are amazing mimics. Yeah. You know, they can mimic straight away. And then there are other people who... That centre may not have, yes, they learnt their original language and they're pretty okay in it and they can (laughs) learn English and be fluent in it, but their ability to attune to the different sounds and frequencies is poorer than the next person, let's say. And even still, I've had people, for instance, in who have said to me, oh, look, I only learnt the R in my original language when I was in the middle of whatever you call primary school, middle school. <laughs> and and so they would have a really big difficulty learning a different R, for instance, or whatever. I had a, a gentleman who was from China and he said, oh, even in my original dialect, he said I couldn't pronounce the difference between L and N. So I L had and a N, really? L and N, yeah, he said. At the moment I'm working with somebody from uh, Venezuela who said to me, even in Spanish, people find me difficult to understand. Wow. So yeah. is, that, is that already a speech impediment or is that an Well, he didn't actually have an impediment. What his thing was, was he was a what's called a clutterer. So he would have, everything will, everything will get gobbled up because his mm-hmm. rhythm, this, his cerebellum or the other areas that organise rhythm and frequency and rhythm and organization of rhythm he can't wasn't able to control very well and so everything would get gobbled up yeah kind of yeah. swallowed his words in other words yeah, yeah. yes oh, okay so yeah what are some what are some key tips for accent reduction no matter where you're coming from or perhaps even what the cause is if i guess the most common cause is like you say this this developmental area kind of stops developing yeah, yeah, that, that's part of it. But also, can I start by saying that often, and you would know this because of your, um, you know, getting people accepted into different courses, etc. Often people learn English, but forget that the pronunciation is important as well. So they get out of college, and then they go for a job interview or something. And they They've learned English, they've worked really hard on it, they're fluent, it's fantastic, but they've not realised that it's important to be clear as well. 
And so they go for the interview and we've had, I've had lots of professionals come to me or, and, or students out of college saying, oh, look, I went for this interview and they said, wow, your skills are fantastic. You really know the area, but your communication skills are not exactly what we need. Go and, go and get clearer and then come back. So my first thing I would like to say about this is while you're learning your English, pay attention to your pronunciation as well at the same time. Just sure. don't ignore it. Yeah. So that's one of the tips. But the next tip is be patient with yourself. So you're learning to move your mouth differently. You're having to make that automatic. It's like tennis. If you want to change a tennis grip, you have to keep, you have to actually get a new motor planning, a new action that your hand has to remember. Same with your mouth. So be patient with yourself. People go, oh, I want a new accent in two weeks. No, I don't think so. (laughs) And and I know some people are in a hurry because they have that interview, which is fair enough, you know. yeah. Um, The next thing is know that you're learning to change the way that you move your mouth, okay? So some people will repeat after the trainer in our course, and that's why we have video training so they can see exactly how. And we also have a description of exactly how to put your tongue, your lips, your jaw, your everything. And some people will mimic the trainer or whoever they're, whatever they're using, and do exactly the same thing with their mouth again. Like, like you were saying, what are you doing? So they would, they would do exactly the same thing or prize and trill their R, for instance, yeah? Um, And just know that you're having to move your, learning to move your mouth a different way. The next thing is listen and repeat. I had a guy in, uh, he was actually in England and he was listening to BBC radio and he said, I've been listening for years and he was from India and he said, I've been listening for years and I still haven't changed my accent. I said to him, are you are you just listening or are you repeating and mimicking exactly like you mimic someone to make fun of them, which is not nice, but that's what you have to do, you know. And he went, oh, no, I'm only listening. Well, you have to listen and repeat. You can record yourself, go back and listen, see if you're closer to the production of whoever you're practising with. Yeah. Another point is while you're practising Also listen for the rhythm, the intonation and the stress. I'll talk about those a bit later as well. And I'd just like to mention that on our website, speakmoreclearly.com, there is a tab called English Pronunciation Tips and there's a whole lot of lessons, training lessons there that people can access if they want to on different particular pronunciation elements. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to link to... uh the Speak More Clearly site from excel.com slash 433 also. Those were really good tips, very general tips. I'm I'm also wondering, you know, you're saying that somebody was listening to a BBC broadcast. Does it, is it helpful to sometimes, let's say, listen to a news broadcast, but not just listen, watch. Yes. So that they're actually seeing how the broadcaster is, is moving their mouth. Yes, Yes, definitely. And if you're doing it on a replay, you can stop, mimic, then do it again and listen, you know. Podcasts are great for that, although you can't, I mean, if it's a video podcast yeah. like this, yes. Um, if it's an audio podcast, you can still stop and mimic and repeat, but you have to repeat. I go back to like the tennis thing. If you don't do the practice, your hand and your muscle memory will never happen, you know. Right. So it's the right. muscle memory in the mouth. Yeah. 
and the new okay. neurological pathways. Yeah. yeah. Now you mentioned somebody coming from India, and we've certainly had clients who come from India. Their English may actually be quite fluent, and they could have been speaking English from early childhood, maybe yes. even educated English, but they have a very thick accent that is hard for at least Americans. To understand, maybe Australians, you're closer, it's easier, I don't know. But um, sometimes it depends on how heavy the accent is. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Do you have any, any, and I'm going to guess that there are, there are probably tips that are geared to different nationalities because, again, yes. their, their mouth is trained in a particular way, right? Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. So, what do you have any tips for Indians? People yeah, Indian? sure. Okay, so for Indians, one of the main things which kills two birds with one stone for Indians yeah. is to learn to, to make their vowels long enough, okay, because Indian languages, all of the background Indian languages, the rhythm is much faster than English, okay, and, and it's hard for them to just, if I say slow down, yeah. they don't know what that means. So if you stretch your vowels and make them long enough, then you're taking care of the listener, A, and B, you're slowing down. So a lot of background languages have a syllable timed and English is stress timed. So syllable time languages are like machine guns. Stressed? German, for example? German is halfway between both. It has a bit of both. Yeah, it's really What's a very common? Chinese, Indian. Uh, Japanese, they're all syllable okay. time. They take a break between every single uh, syllable, basically. Yeah. A very short one, okay? Most of the Asian languages are syllable timed. The European ones, they're a bit of a mix sometimes, yeah? They don't link as much. But Indian languages definitely, yeah? And, and the rhythm is much faster. So if I say, can I go? Can I go? So I'm shortening my vowels because they're not as short as that in English. The, the diphthongs, the ones where you have to put two vowels together, are only you only they only say one, the first sound. So can I go if I do a somewhat American accent? So <laughs> I was thinking that actually. Yeah. yeah. Can, so the ah is much longer. Can I it's made of two sounds, I, go, made of the American R, and O, O. So you have to do all. You can't just do go instead of go, yeah? Right. right. Can I go? Can I go? Yeah? And it doesn't, slowing down doesn't mean that people will think you're stupid, okay? It just means you'll be understood, yeah? So yeah. can I go instead of? Can I go? Can I go? Yeah. 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 So you can hear that the vowels are said longer and made properly. Yeah. So for Indians, that is one of the keys, making the vowels properly. Yeah. So, so also in all of the Indian languages, they don't release or aspirate or put air into P for Polly, T for Tom or K for kitten. So if I say the word pie, okay, they go, Bye, bye. So it's a but, not a. So it's as if you're whispering, like you're in the movie theater, yeah. Bye, and then the T is the same. I have to put air. It's not top, top, but top, 
So learn or ki. It's not ki. It's ki. It's called aspirating, putting air into your consonants. Those particular unvoiced consonants need it. Otherwise, it's a dead giveaway and, and you're not as clear in English. Um, hold the TH long enough. It's not think. It's think. You have to let a nanosecond longer air out before you move your tongue away from the sticking out tongue yeah. position. Yeah. And intonation. It's hard because they go up and down in a different way and basically they're flat with up and down and we just aren't flat underneath. We go up and down. Up and down. That's us, more American, Australian, similar thing. That was fascinating. Yeah. What about what about Chinese, or, or would it be fairly similar? Yeah, they. It, it's still syllable time. So you, yeah. but they're even more. In a longer word, they'll make a break even in the middle of the longer words. So they'll go col x, col x. Like there's a break in the middle because you have to do each syllable. So, again, syllable timed. But what they need to do is learn to link. The, the Indians know how to link a bit better. They still need to learn it a bit. But, for instance, if I say, can I go out and see it? Okay. Can I? So you're linking the N to the I. Yeah? Yeah. Go out. You're putting a W in the middle to join the two vowels. And see, see it. So yeah. you're linking. Whenever a word ends in a consonant, the next one begins with a vowel, you join the last consonant onto the beginning of the next word. But they, it's can I go out and see it. That's the staccato. So every single syllable has to have a little pause after because that's how you speak. Yeah, yeah. The other thing they tend to do, and this is a really good tip for them because this really makes them not so clear, is the Chinese speakers is they often leave the final consonant off a word because a lot of their words end in vowels and a lot of our words end in consonants. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they'll say for the word outside, they'll say outside, outside. So the T and the D got left. Or if I say nine things, they'll go nine things, nine things. So the N gets left off. So they need to actually make the extra movement, tell their mouth to make the extra movement for that extra sound before they move on. That's really interesting. Okay. <laughs> I always think of the, the biggest issue with the, the Chinese is, is a, the difficulty with the center, letter L. <laughs> they have that. They also, a lot of them make um, N for NG at the end of a word. So that's, uh, sorry, NG for N. So they'll say ong. Instead right. of on, sorry, right. uh, ang instead of an. Yeah. So, but L and R depends on where they come from, whether it's Mandarin, whether it's Cantonese, whether it's Hokka sure. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Would you have any difficulty working with someone who wants to have, I mean, you, because uh, you have, a, to my ear, you have an Australian accent. Yes. Would you have difficulty working with someone who wants to, have an American accent or, or aims to go to school in the U.S. or work in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. I can work with somebody who has an American accent. I can bung on my, put on my American accent, but I also... Yeah, you pretty well, actually. Yeah, thank you. But I can also, we have our course, obviously, so they work with the course as well as working with us. But we also have American course 
accent courses, British accent courses, Australian accent courses. So we have a trainer in America. She's also all our trainers are speech and currently speech and language therapists who specialize and have had many years expertise in what whichever accent they're in, whatever country they're in. So we have an American, we have a couple of Americans, we have a British person, we have another Australian person. Um, and a couple of them also do voice work. So if people want a richer voice they, mm-hmm. and projection and all of that. But yes, I I can work with, I've been working with people and training them with an American accent and using our course and et cetera, yeah. Is there any kind of accent that's particularly difficult to to lose? Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Look, it depends on the person, but some languages don't have... I'm thinking of Henry Kissinger at the moment. Yeah, yeah, Henry... Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think he came to the United States when he was thirteen, and he's ninety yeah. something now, and he still has he a very still has, German, German. He accent. does. Yeah. Yeah. Look, there is that thing of if you come after a certain age, it is harder, but you can still do it. People have done it. It is harder, but you just have to work a bit longer at it. But there, I mean, obviously Henry felt he was clear enough so he didn't bother to do anything about it. He seemed to have done pretty well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Exactly. (laughs) Professor Harmer, Secretary of State. That's right. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And he went, eh, you know, I wasn't, it it was a different time as well. The the moment there's a bit going on about accepting people and who they are and what they are and that's a whole other thing at the moment but yeah there are original languages that don't have six or seven of our sounds for instance oh. korean yeah oh, really? yeah They're like we have six or seven more sounds than korean has for instance so it for them it's almost like they're breaking their mouth sometimes to to get sometimes to get to so it takes them they can do it but it takes them a little longer for instance, there's there are African languages. I worked with a lady recently where so they they if a word ends in a D in this African language, it doesn't just have a D. The N and the D are said together as a oh. partnership. So it, taking the N out has been incredibly difficult because she automatically puts the N in when a word ends in a D. So if you say the word head, for instance. She'll say hand or good, she'll say gund. And it's like, and for her, and she's a really conscientious worker, but because nd is something that automatically happens, and they're yeah. close together on the palate up above behind the front top teeth. So those sorts of ones where it's so far from English yeah. are, are difficult for people. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. That mm. makes sense. Yeah. What advice do you have for the spoken portion of, let's say, English language tests like the IELTS or the TOEFL or the PTE? I mean, it's happened less in recent years, but there was a time when every so often I would see really high, let's say, TOEFL scores and the English fluency or the, or the, the understandability of the individual with this high score was really low. Yeah. And that goes back to that original point I made where people especially in some countries, they only focus on the English and not on how to say the English as well. Yeah. Right. One of the biggest tips that I have for this is to open your mouth more. <laughs> okay. And I know that's, that sounds funny, but I found with working with hundreds of people and many, many different language backgrounds, 
In English, we tend to open our mouth more. We move our lips forward more. So if I'm saying ooh, for instance, they'll go ooh and we'll go ooh, right? The same, that example of go, go, yeah? And they'll go go. So they won't, the ah and the ah, all of those sounds, you have to open more and move more. And they say to me, oh, my mouth is hurting. (laughs) Because in order to be clearer, you have to, so that's a big tip for people to learn to open. So again, stand in front of a mirror, whatever they're practising, the topics for the IELTS or the PET, although you know how they have different topics, and they are always practising it anyway. So go and stand in front of a mirror and say three or four lines and move your mouth more. Overdo it at first, and then when you're in the test, you won't be moving it as much, you'll be nervous as well. You'll, you'll be moving it enough, yeah? And people right. say to me, oh, it really feels weird. Yep, yeah, but now you're clear, <laughs> you know. So that if you only, if they only did that, that would be something really good, yeah? Right. Because often it's like this, they're, they're not moving much right. because they don't have to in their own language. Yeah. I, I did the, I think this one was a student I did a year abroad. I was in Israel, actually, and there, yeah. there were some Israelis teasing the American students. And what they did is they just exaggerated their mouth movements because to them, they were like, oh, well, well you know, that's 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 yes. how Americans talk. Yes. And um, and of course, Hebrew is a much more guttural language. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah. the idea of moving your mouth, with, again, it, it just reminds me of, of that yeah. experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Hebrew has combinations like a t and a ch together. Trellet, for instance, you know, Trelet, yeah, like, yeah, 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 sure, things, I know that. things, yeah, but yes, it is more sounds in general, which you don't yeah. have at all in, no. in English. No, um, yeah. and there's some other sounds that, yeah, I have a thick accent in, in Hebrew, so I right. have a juicy American, <laughs> yeah. American accent, but I yeah. remember that that was that to them, that's that, how that's what, that's what, yeah. And that's what I mean. You have to move your mouth more. For even a lot of the European languages I have, we we have to work on moving lips forward, lips smile, mouth open to actually be clearer. It also makes sense for resonance. If you're speaking to somebody, you're opening more for the resonance to come out. You're not just going like this because you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing. Especially for the IELTS, people feel nervous. I understand that. Learn to abdominal breathe. So if you put your hand on your belly button and you breathe into that and push it out, that's giving you, and so you take three deep breaths before you go in to do your speaking test. And you can, it it ties in with my next point, which is phrasing and pausing. So in English, we phrase, we chunk things. So if I say I went to the store and I met my friend and I had a coffee, okay, so where the commas would be is where I pause because they're chunks of meaning that I'm giving you. I went to the store is telling you where I went. I met my friend is telling you what I did in that part and I had a coffee is telling you what I did after I met my friend. Now, if there aren't any commas, you're still chunking and pausing. Learn to use pauses, I would say to them. Learn to use pauses because we do that in English so that the listener 
has time to integrate the bits that inside the comprehension bits that you want them to understand. And especially if you're talk, if they're talking about something technical, because then it's comprehension dense. There's a lot more to understand in each piece of the sentence or giving a speech or something like that. And you can breathe. So breathe a quick. So when the professionals, the actors or the professional speakers, when they're speaking and they take a pause, they do a quick breath into the abdomen through their mouth and then they keep going. And that calms the nervous system down and makes you feel more confident. So that's that one. To go with that inside of the phrasing is stressing main meaning words. English listeners listen for the stressed and de-stressed in words. And in I went to the store, so went and store are the main meaning words. So it's like I just came off the boat from some other country and I'm trying to tell you something. I use the nouns, the verbs, the adverbs and the adjectives. I stress them. So went, store, met, friend, had coffee. You would understand what I meant. They're the words that have, the vowel has to be stretched, made slightly longer and higher pitch. That's how you emphasise a word or emphasise if we want to, yeah. So stressing or emphasising the words that carry the meaning, <laughs> if you see what I mean, yeah? Yeah. Um, is, yeah. Is another thing that's really important for IELTS. You can't just go in and say, in my hometown we have uh, 500 people and we all go to the baker every morning. And it, No, that's not English. It's the pausing and the stressing that makes it more intelligible. Monotone is not really English. No, no. <laughs> so that's another thing. Another thing, can I do a couple sure, more? Is sure, there a, yeah, sure, absolutely. I call it a mental action for being clear. For, so in the speaking part of the IELTS, obviously, yes, you have to have fluent English and the idioms and all of that that they want you to know, but you also have to be clear. The mental action for being clear to me is stepping into the accent. So can I go? If I say that normally, can I go? That's my Australian accent. Can I go? I've stepped into the accent, the American accent. I'm wearing it. I have to hear myself differently. I have to be willing psychologically to change my mental action and step into that other and to be willing to use it people use it when they're working with us or when they're practicing with the course or when they're practicing with their trainer whoever and then they don't use it when they go out and I know it's hard but piece by piece you have to step in and actually use it it's almost, yeah. it's almost uh, like learning the foreign language itself you can yes. learn it in class and yet when you go in the street you assuming you're in the foreign country yes you are afraid to use it yes is it similar? Yes, yes definitely. Yeah, and I understand that, but you just got to be brave and try. And the more you try, the better you get at it. Yeah, yeah. Worst thing is you say something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, and people are patient. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You're usually kind. If they're not yeah. kind, it's their problem. Yeah, that's right. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So that's an important one as well. The other thing which you guys probably teach is is organizing think about what you're going to say beforehand organize practice all of those organize 
the intro, the middle, the end, all the vocab, etc., the vocabulary, etc. Because as soon and say it over and over, because as soon as you've organized it, then you're more free to actually think about how you're saying it as well to a certain degree. Well, one of the things we definitely tell our, our clients before an interview is when you're in the interview, take a second or two to think about how you want to respond. Don't yeah. just blurt it out. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's guess, okay. Sure. And maybe yeah. for the international applicant or the non-native English speaker, even take a split second to think about how you want to say it. Yeah. The elongating yeah. of the vowels or whatever is relevant for your particular yes. situation. Yeah, yeah. And it's now, okay to take a take a pause. Really. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Most interviewers are 100%. They'd much rather have you take a pause and give an articulate response than yeah. blurt out something that doesn't respond to their question or isn't well organized and yeah. thought out. Yeah, exactly. How can speak more clearly your company, your website, help applicants who want to reduce their accents before, let's say, an interview or before yeah. they start class or before they start interacting? with the schools that they are dying to get into. Yes, yes. Well, well first of all, we have our courses, um, our accent modification courses. Some people want to have a total American accent. Some people want to be clear but retain some of their accent. Some people, it's all there. They can do any of those permutations. We've even got actors who use our course to Australians to get American accents, etc. Sure. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, so we've got the courses. But if you have your interview, let's say, in two months' time, right, you're not going to be able to change your accent in two months using the course. It takes a few months longer to do that, you know. So we also have one-on-one coaching. And as I said before, we've got trainers in different countries with the different accents, as well as, you know, I can do the accents too. But the one-on-one coaching, I've had people come in and say, I've got this interview in two months' time. And so we work on what the vocabulary is, what they have to say, what the type of specific stuff is that they know they're going to be asked. And we work on that and we make them clearer and clearer and more flowing. And that is the one-on-one coaching. And and they get the immediate feedback and the, the immediate, no, put your mouth this way or no, you didn't do that one quite right. This is how you stretch it out or whatever the thing is, you know. So uh, they get that real-time feedback and it's specific to whatever it is that they have to say in those interviews or going into the college interview or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, we have, we have applicants going into business school interviews, medical school interviews, occasionally other graduate interviews. It could be. PhD or whatever, or just meeting, especially for the PhD meeting with professors. Right. I would say probably fewer med school because at least in the United States, most American med schools want to, will will really only consider applicants who have U.S. undergraduate degrees, the Uh, overwhelming majority. Right. But for business schools, engineering schools, et cetera, if they require interviews, then you already have a significant international representation. Mm-hmm. And the schools definitely want people who can communicate yeah. uh, intelligibly yeah. in English. Yeah. It's not oh, just definitely. the written language, it's the spoken language as yeah. well. Yeah. And especially also those, I don't know if you deal with these sorts of colleges or schools, but for counselling and preschool teaching and things like that where it's 
yes, it's important for those other ones, but it's also important for that sort of a profession sure. as well. Definitely deal yeah. with the uh, PsyDs, you know, clinical psychologists, social workers, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, PH, again, PhDs in psychology also. Not yeah. so much the preschool teacher. We don't get that no. many of that, how many of that. Yeah. But yeah. obviously it's important that they communicate. Yeah. Yeah. In most fields, there are very few fields where communications is not is not no, somewhat that's true. important. That's true. Very few. Yeah. Is there anything you would have liked me to ask you? I think we've covered most of it. I, I, it one of our clients recently was saying to us, she worded it really well. She said, you know, we're so fluent and at ease and we can express ourselves so well in our original language. And then we come to, to whatever other, let's say English, because we're talking about English, and we feel, she said, it's almost like a feeling of disability. You know, like you, you cannot show who you are. You cannot express yourself with that ease, with that you you want to speak at a higher level at a philosophical or a, a deeper theoretical or whatever it is, and you just can't do it. You just don't you know? have the words. You just don't have the yeah. vocabulary. Yeah, and even if you do, it's like unclear and you have to repeat it. And, and she, she was saying, you know, so she was really pleased that she could get that sort of help, but it is very frustrating for a lot of people. Um, well, it sounds yeah. to me like what you're dealing with a lot is, is people who have perhaps the vocabulary, but because the pronunciation isn't it's, where it should be, they're yeah. still not being understood. No, no, that's right. And we also have people who are being understood, but they're sick of being asked where they're from, <laughs> which is an interesting different twist on this, you know. But most of the people we get are professionals who feel that it's holding them back in their career if they've already got in uh, into a company or whatever or that as I said before they're going for these interviews and either fresh out of college or they've had a job and they want another job and they're being told that their communication skills aren't good enough and in Australia maybe this is in America you can tell me that here there's this emphasis on team and socialising with the team and being oh, yeah. part well, of the that's team. True here too. Yeah. And, and so that whole water cooler thing of standing and having a conversation with your mates or, or, or going out for the drinks, at, you know, wh whatever, when you can go out for drinks um, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and so that's really important. And in, in Australia it's important to be seen as socially also part of the team and people really feel not confident sometimes to just go out socially and express what they want to express again because it, there's a lot of noise in a social situation and if you're not clear you're really going to have to repeat yourself five times you know right so yeah right. for sure it is tricky you know again yeah. it's hard to communicate in a second language but what we're really talking about, people who, who almost have the language, but it's just that pronunciation that's, that's uh, holding yeah. back. Yeah. And I think yeah. uh, you've provided our listeners with lots of advice. And we do have a lot of international listeners and a lot of clients right. for whom English is a second, second language. Yeah. So I yeah. want to really thank you for joining me today. You're Where welcome. can listeners find you online again? So speakmoreclearly.com, all spelled normally. That's our website and our YouTube channel also. If you go to YouTube, 
YouTube. Yeah, if you go to YouTube and put in speak more clearly, you'll there is somebody else who's also stolen the name, but but you'll see my picture as the one that's that's our our channel. And there are lots and lots again of videos how with specific pronunciation training on there as well that they can access. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you have uh, Australian, British, and American accent training. Accent training. Yeah. Yeah. So, Wonderful. yeah. Yeah. We also have a voice course, actually, if people want to, for people, anybody, you don't have to have an accent, just Americans or whoever, if they want to have a richer speaking voice, if they have to present a lot and mm-hmm. different tips about that as well. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to include links in the show notes at accept.com slash 433 to speak more clearly, Esther Brule's website and her YouTube channel. Yeah. Listener, thank you too for joining Esther Brule and me for our 433rd episode. And a quick reminder, Master the Paradox, the Heart of Graduate Admissions by downloading your free copy of Fitting In and Standing Out, The Paradox, the Heart of Admissions. Grab your copy at accept.com slash F-I-S-O. Thanks again for coming. This is Admission Straight Talk, produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week.